Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Welcome back to our third Officially our third episode talking about Valley Heart. So we are talking about their new record, Heal My Head. And we decided who better to talk about this album with than Kevin. We brought Kevin back. So welcome, Kevin, to the podcast for the third time. How are you doing? Hello. I'm good. How are you guys? Howdy. Howdy. (laughs) (laughs) That has a weirdly funny backstory that we won't even go into with saying howdy right there we like um, the band howdy yeah yeah so, so Kevin, oh sorry would you want to give no. some more stuff andrew i mean i was gonna just make sure everyone knew who kevin is because i just I, said kevin as they if they do they, they know. should know they kevin by now kevin no they, they so won't know. continue we won't even uh clarify who kevin is he's just here yeah <laughs> kevin has something to do with valley art that's all they need to know yeah it's not that hard to find. A yeah. simple Google search should suffice. So, Kevin, we're going to just yeah. drive into it real quick. All right. We drive usually in. like to have some icebreakers, you know, to build up cool. trust, especially because trust is lacking in our relationship with you mm. specifically. So uh, yeah. we're doing this new activity. Never done it before. The name, we need to workshop the name, haven't really thought about it. Mm-hmm. It's currently okay. called One Word or Phrase, all right? Okay. And basically, right. we're asking a question. You have to respond with your answer, one word or phrase, no explanation, okay. nothing. Okay. You're leaving okay. everybody guessing. Mm-hmm. And I think right. even though it's meant to be kind of cheeky, I do think that this has this game has some overlap to a lot of conversations we've had, Kevin, where with artists of all types of art, where's this balance of giving answers but and, and giving explanations but not giving too much and allowing yeah. the listeners to kind of put in their own guesses or make their own conclusions or whatever, connect the dots in their own way. So we're going to kind of mirror that idea through this activity. Does that sound good? Sounds good. All right. right. Andrew, start us off. Your first question is, if a Valley Heart song could be in a soundtrack of any TV show, what would the show be? Pit My Ride. Barry beautiful next question what movie has impacted your life the most eternal sunshine of the spotless mind if valley heart could feature one artist on a track who would it be i'm gonna go sufjan stevens if you could have a cup of coffee with one author dead or alive who would it be Oliver Sacks. If Pitchfork reviewed Heal My Head, what score would they give it? (laughs) (laughs) 3.9. All right, Kevin. Can we talk now or no? We're done. You did it. I've always imagined if... if, uh, So the Pitchfork thing's funny, right? Because what show is that? Is it Hey Arnold where it's like... 
she hates him. No, what am I thinking of? It's always imagining getting a bad score from Pitchfork would still feel like the kid that hated you and slaps you, but you're like, oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> like, yeah. you know? I think it's Hey Arnold. Me. Hey Arnold, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're, we're their cup of tea, but maybe, maybe, man, I don't know. There's, you know, who knows? There you go. You did great. Thank you for being Thanks. our guinea pig for this game. We'll yeah. see if we yeah we'll never do it do again. It again. That, that was awful. <laughs> but, I'm just um, so awkward. I feel like that was half the interview yeah, time of just it. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is you've been on the podcast so much now that we have to come up with new games for you. We can't just reuse. There's the no novelty. We're like an old couple hmm. at the restaurant yeah. with no conversation. We really are. Yeah. yeah. But at least we're still talking. Of course. Oh, yeah. Sweet. We'll bring out the old uh, birthday suit every once a year. You know what I mean? (laughs) 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 So let's talk about Heal My Head. Uh, So, Kevin, I'm assuming you've heard the album. Uh, We also have heard the album. So uh, we thought it would be fun to to talk about the album. So, Nate, did you want to start us off uh, giving maybe some of your impressions about the album and any initial questions you have uh, for Kevin about the album? You've kind of known the album for a little while now so uh what are some of your thoughts and uh and any questions you have yeah so you know to have a baby Mm. it takes two you know and to have a record it takes often more than two yeah Mm. and I would say a, a new, there's been a few new additions, but one of the main new additions since the last time we talked was, uh, is, or is Tooth and Nail. Yeah. And before we even get into Heal My Head, I think yeah. we, we should kind of give some background or ask for some background on, I mean, how did that happen? And then how's been that experience? Because you were independent. For a while, the EP was released independently, if I'm not correct. I mean, if I am correct. And, uh, yeah, how, how has that transition been from signed to independent to signed again? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been really good. Um, yeah, we've been working with those peeps for this record, and... Um, it's really nice to have people who are really into it and, and um, ready to put it out. And, yeah, I mean, doing the EP, the last EP we did, kind of independent. We worked with Honey Pit, which was really cool, but that was sort of um, a more, like, chill one EP thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so to kind of, yeah, it, it feels like a full circle moment, just sort of mm-hmm. knowing the history of tooth and nail and, but also an exciting moment where it, it feels like a new sort of era a new wave. Yeah. And it's been really cool to not just sort of rely on the past of the tooth and nail sort of legacy, but yeah. feel like there's a new energy and sort of a new story that's being told, yeah. um, through their sort of presence and roster. And to feel like Valley heart is at the forefront of that has been really sweet. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. along with other people as well. But, um, yeah, I think that was our intention of like, man, this is such a cool story to see. And it grew up on a lot of bands on this label mm-hmm. um, to be a part of it now. But again, in a fresh way yeah. is definitely really cool. Yeah. 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 One of the you crazier things, I think all three of us probably in high school, more likely than not, like most of the bands we listen to or like a mm-hmm. good chunk of them were signed yeah. to Tooth and Nail. And obviously as 
as is normal with time, bands change, they change labels and stuff, but even quite a few of those bands are still on Tooth & Nail, still kind of the existing old guard of Tooth & Nail, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you guys are part of kind of this new wave of artists for Tooth & Nail. Now, I know for yourselves, you're not, strictly speaking, a Christian band trying to kind of do what I would say the old guard was trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. In conversations with Tooth & Nail, what were those conversations like? Were they just embracing right away like yeah we want to change we want to adapt with stuff or did you feel like um there was still some some work to be done as far as just communicating what your band is what your purpose is um and what you're trying to accomplish yeah um well from the offset there was never any expectation or pressure of anything in sort of the Christian world, which yeah. I think if there was, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Just because, you know, I think we don't identify as that at all, even though there's yeah. such a rich history in sort of yeah. my background in that, but not yeah. for all the guys. So the intention with the Valley Hair Project from the beginning has never been to be in that world, but just to write yeah. about whatever is relevant and whatever is authentic. And yeah. a lot of that happens to be stuff about growing up in church and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. However, I will say made that very clear feel felt like from the beginning that dynamic was very understood by them which was super yeah. cool because awesome. anything otherwise again would just definitely be troublesome down the line sure. but they were like no 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 we just want you guys to keep doing what you're doing and writing yeah. about whatever you're writing about so yeah. that was super cool um and i think awesome. you know obviously growing up in that world and then sort of personally questioning it or, or re- especially the Christian culture um, being so outside of that. It's like, well, I don't want to be associated with any of that. However, it's been cool. I think to see not only to see a wave of artists almost not redefine what Christian music means, but Mm -hmm. I think 20 years ago was such a different landscape, right? And there was such a different world. And, there were like secular artists and then there were like Christian versions of those artists that were like mm-hmm. sort of fed and the machine of youth group and camps listen to all these like alternative versions of mainstream bands that we could think of. Right. For like yeah. new metal, there was like red and like for all, there was like other, these, all these Christian bands for hardcore. There was tons of just like Christian hardcore bands. I mean, I'm not really in that world, but I don't think that, sort of yin and yang exists anymore i think it's a lot more messy and i think that parallels a lot of people's journey with faith of like maybe still resonating with some of it but being so outside of the culture and just kind of different and it's it's funky it's messy it's like you can't really quantify it or put a label on it but it's cool to see artists who are like yeah like I'm, i'm not even sure if i'm a christian but there's something in faith involved in my music and it's just me working through it and staying true to that story and hear the songs I'm writing about that re- that reflect that story. And I don't know what this is, or but it's for a group of people that are definitely still living with the idea of what this faith looked like for them. So mm-hmm. I think in that way, I think Valley Heart is absolutely that kind of band. And it feels like Tooth & Nail, like a lot of the Tooth & Nail kids that grew up on that music are in that place in life, right? Yeah. Where I think a lot of those listeners aren't like, I mean, I'm sure there are some who are just still craving the next Skillet album, um, but I nothing. Actually, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we don't, 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 don't actually get Don't actually yeah. okay, I won't get into it's it. Fine. But. I think we all are on the same page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Screw Skillet. Um, 
But yeah, uh, but I think a lot of a lot of people are sort of <laughs> understanding that relationship. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's cool to be able to write music, and especially this album, I think, is sort of the next step in my journey on that sort of yeah. understanding identity, which our last record was very heavily about, I guess, through the lens of evangelicalism and church going and this record, not so much that imagery, but I think it's still the same. We're reaching for the same thing, just from a different part of the room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just quick mention, I think one thing that's really cool, and maybe this is just my own journey with music is that quite, quite a few, uh, quote unquote, Christian artists from that time have definitely distanced themselves from Christianity or from what, the Christian culture looks like. And that was actually pretty instrumental for me to just question and figure out what I believe. I think music is so strong in impacting people in such deep ways that Mm -hmm. then there's kind of trust built, there's um, emotional connections. And I think it's really cool that some of, some of these bands we might be talking about um, their journey musically and lyrically where they've taken mirrors that faith journey. And I think even just speaking about Valley Heart and what you were saying about everyone I've ever loved, definitely having a lot more of that imagery um, and just kind of, I mean, we'll get into lyrics here, but just how your lyrics are so, so much a journey that those I mean, I don't know. I, you just see your faith journey. You see your life journey through these records. And I think there's something really cool about kind of being along for the ride and mm. understanding what's happening in the artist's life, um, whether it is faith, whether it's not faith, whether it's something in between. I think sure. uh, I think there's something cool about that. Well, that's really cool to hear that translates. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think a lot of some, some of these bands, and myself included, there was a time that, and I think this parallels sort of deeper f- spiritual faith stuff, but there's a time where you're so sort of out of that world and maybe so angry with that world that you're like, f- like, fuck that world. Like, I don't want to be associated with it at all. Like, I don't like, and you sort of make a conscious effort to be like, no, like I'm not that like, no, I'm so far from that. And I don't, I mean, Nate more than you, Andrew, cause we talked more, we, we've talked a lot about faith and like, I'm in a very different place where I don't even know if I resonate with sort of modern Christianity at all, but the idea is still like, I think to have that bitterness or that like separation of like, well, I'm not part of that at all. It's sort of disingenuous because that is a huge part of my life and sort of reckoning with that, whether I want to come to terms with it or not has to be done. And, you know, I think it's important to go through that sort of angry phase and I don't discourage anyone from sort of living through that. But at some point you're like, well, I need to sort of start rebuilding like what from this still resonates with me and what doesn't and sort of what are the new values I'm building and is there anything from that time of life that's maybe not maybe for some people it's maybe nothing and for some people it's a little tough for where some there's some good there's some bad but I think to just admit that hey this is part of my story is something I'm not afraid of anymore and I think for for a while I was like definitely like not wanting any association so I think a part of this is just hey like it's it's messy it's it's weird i don't know there's no labeling but like yeah like i'm there's still like faith imagery in the songs we write and even though i necessarily don't consider myself a christian in that way there's still stuff that seeps through and i'm not embarrassed or like weird about that you know so in terms of uh support 
like when we we were we've moved away from the tooth and nail a bit, but all deeply connected. Uh, just this is more just like a fun little aspect that I think has been really interesting to watch as Valley Heart's grown and stuff. Not only have you had support from like uh, your label with Tooth and Nail, but there's also just like weird random support. And I'm sure you you obviously know the extent of that a lot more than we have, but stuff Dude, like yeah. Wendy's and <laughs> like random artists or random celebrities or random whatever. Do you just want to like bassist talk from about corn. That? the basis from corn? Tweeted at us once or something. I think that's Dude. probably the, the highlight. <laughs> I just remember seeing that and being like, "What?" <laughs> so weird. Nuts. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. Nuts. I mean, yeah. I don't know what that is, but it's um, it's cool that it's sort of resonating with people, um, all over and. Yeah, I don't know. I think I wonder with the artist thing if it's resonating. There's this thing called like being a band's band, you know, where it's like some mm-hmm. bands out there. They're like oh, yeah. the bands that like they're a yep. band that only bands love. And I've never really wanted to do that, which I don't think we do. But um, but I think, yeah, there's something to maybe the sound that sort of comes from that. And and but yeah, I'm glad people are digging it all over the uh, the big blue and green world. <laughs> So transitioning out of uh, more general background stuff and heading deeper into Heal My Head, um, I think there's a million different things we can talk about. Um, But before talking about differences, I think it would be good to kind of connect with what's been similar in the process. Overall, with production, you worked with Kevin Billingsley again. Um, yeah. I know that that relationship has like grown, obviously, and I'm sure it looks a little bit different now than it did the first time around. But I think despite the differences of everyone I've ever loved and Heal My Head, which I do mm-hmm. think the records are very different, there's this weird continuity with the production that mm. makes the records feel so connected to me. Yeah. Um, how was that process the second time around in terms of how did it feel comfortable and then how was it just different and a whole new brand experience for you? Yeah. Working with Kev Billingsley um, was a very intentional decision and I think it was to accomplish that goal of having that production thread. It was a big part of that because a lot of what you're hearing in there, it's like a lot of Kev stuff. And that's it's sort of happened. And I think because the shift was so different sonically, where, you know, it wasn't like so different where it feels like a new band, but different enough that it definitely feels like a moving away from a certain sound. Um, as I was writing the demos, as we were jamming, I mean, you know, sort of some member changes. We had a, John leave and Zach come and sort of our new drummer started writing with Zach. And, you know, I think a big theme of this record just lyrically, but also what we're trying to live. It's like lean into the change that's happening and don't try to like fight what was the past. And I think having Zach on board and like what he was listening to, what we were listening to sort of the music we were writing was just naturally happening. It was just coming out different. And I was like, wow, it was really exciting. And it was really cool. And like looking back now, it's like, wow, that's so cool to see it done. Um, 
But I think at the time there was a slight fear in me of like, man, I don't, I don't want to, I always loved how Valley Heart had a sound. And I think that we were on a path of developing what that sound was. And I always get bummed out when like bands seem like they're on that path and they want to do something different, but they just go maybe a little too far for my taste. And it's like, you kind of lose that like backbone of like, Oh, I, I just love when artists are able to innovate that sound, but still maintain that like core sound that makes them them. I think that that balance is so unique and so cool. And like what makes an artist I love last through their discography. Cause I, you hear that core, but it's like through different perspectives. Um, so I think, I wanted to retain that and I didn't want to lose that. I didn't want to, for this record specifically, I felt like it was a record that felt connected to everyone I've ever loved in a way. And I wanted that to translate in the production as well. However, with that said, I think a lot has, had changed from when we worked with Kev last where we, I had gotten a lot more into engineering and mixing and production and learned a lot since 2018 when we recorded and through the pandemic started mixing, you know, did the scenery EP a lot myself and did a lot of tracking and, and that was great, but I definitely didn't want to over undertake that whole thing for a full record myself. I knew I was going to be overwhelmed and I also feared that idea of, you know, I wanted sort of the guardrails of Kev's overvision to sort of structure it in a way that felt like the experimentation of scenery, but had the bare backbone of what you had in everyone I've ever loved. Um, so yeah, scenery was I'm super proud of it, but sometimes it felt like, man, if that was a full record, I might have yeah, lost a little bit of the picture, um, which why feels great as an EP. But for, yeah, for Heal My Head, I was like, it'd be really cool if we could blend what we did on both projects. And that's exactly what we did. I think I was, I was a lot more involved with the production engineering side of things when we were working with Kevin sort of made that clear from the beginning. And, and, you know, he is, he's just, he's amazing, man. Cause he, I, I don't know what kind of producer will just be like, Hey man, I'm here to like help, but I'm also here to step back when you kind of want to take lead of the ship. And that's really hard. Right. Cause like it can get weird when like who makes the last call, like, on what mic we're using or, or this sound or this sound and I think there might have been moments where it got a little weird but because the friendship and the communication I think stayed strong we were able to to get there finally and yeah I, even down to the mixing process where he did a lot of the the basic mixing um but yeah the process was I did a lot of the demos the idea was to go to Halo with Kev for three weeks do drums bass rhythm guitar a lot of the leads vocal and then we rented out a studio a week after that, um, we came back from Maine, went to Boston, rented a studio at the record company in Boston and did a week of just sort of the experimentation, the feedback, the production elements, percussion, harmonies, transition between the songs, little swells, just like everything we didn't have time to do in the big expensive studio. Cause it's hard to like, you know, on day 10 of recording in a big expensive studio to be like, oh, I want to mess around with these pedals and throw my vocals into a synth for six hours and chase this like obscure sound when you haven't like finished bass parts, you know, there's no way to justify doing that. But to have that breakdown where we were able to get the, the core of the record with Kev and like make sure that felt solid and felt good, but still had the time to go down these like creative rabbit holes, I think it was really important finding that balance. And I think I'm really proud of how we did end up there. Um, so yeah, I think it was different working with, it was so different working with Kev this time. I mean, we had more time too. We had 21 days with him in the studio, not in, not including mixing. Whereas everyone I've ever loved, we had, I think nine or 10 days. Like it was so fast and we didn't have a lot of time. 
So yeah, there was, it was a very different experience than the first album, but in, in a better way, in a way that felt more collaborative, in a way that felt more creative, I think, just because we had more time and had the different perspectives on production. And uh, I think that blend and ended up being pretty cool. I'll just comment on that. I don't really have a follow-up question exactly. Maybe one would pop up. But when – so I've listened to the album for for a few months now, and uh, when Nate and I sat down and uh, he was showing me the album, my first thought really was like, wow, this is really different. Like that's my mm. initial reaction. Is this really different? I kind of saw a slightly different direction coming. Scenery is the perfect gap between these two to kind of transition mm. these albums. But I was mostly focused on just, wow, this is really different and I love it, but it's really different. That was yeah. kind of my initial reaction. I noticed this past week as I was listening to it again, I was starting to realize like they're not as different as I thought they were. Mm. Like, like there is a difference, but I think what you're saying about actually keeping Kevin Billingsley as that kind of uh, through line between mm-hmm. these and obviously your voice and maybe even some of the guitaring elements or whatever it is. Um, there's even some like drum pockets or just drum hits that, that are still reminiscent of stuff that Valley heart has always had at its core. Yeah. And I was starting to realize like they're not as different as I thought they were while still, being very different albums. And I just thought it's kind of cool that it's just a progression instead of a change because I echo what you say when a band just kind of is on to something and then they change too drastically and yeah. maybe it's not special anymore that that they had something special and they changed so much they lost what was special. I think what's really cool is I think you just added new special elements. Like mm. this album is much more to me experimental probably than everyone I've ever loved. There's mm-hmm. stuff that shows up that blows my mind even after I've listened to the album a hundred times. I'm still like, wow, I don't know how you ended up on that decision, but it was definitely the right <laughs> one. And I just think there's there's a lot here. And it's definitely one of those albums that you gain a lot more perspective as you're listening. I would even say beyond lyrical, which is always my experience that I gain more mm. listening to your lyrics more and more and digesting those. But I think instrumentally, I think this is your biggest range that you have, but also mm-hmm. your, oh no, just like the coolest shit you guys have done. It's so good. It's so <laughs> Thanks, good. Man. So I don't have a follow-up question. There, <laughs> just a note. But yeah, I'll just, I'll just build off of what Andrew was just transitioning to there. The, instrumentals i mean that's where to me it starts being unrecognizable from everyone i've ever loved personally Hmm. where it's like there are there's maybe like a track here where it's like oh it could have kind of fit but overall for the instrumentals i'm like this feels new it feels fresh it feels different um even though the production ties it together and i think the three main areas, aspects of that that I notice, and Andrew can piggyback off of this or you can just head right into it, Kevin, are the brightness of the inst- the mainly the guitars a lot of the time, but the mm-hmm. brightness, the consistency, and I, I'm not great with uh, music 
ex- explaining, but the consistency and the steadiness of the drums where Zach just brings a different flavor yeah. um, that is um, definitely a step in a different direction for you guys. But then lastly, I would say the overall inspiration. I feel like everyone I've ever loved was definitely had a wide scope of inspiration, but it also mm-hmm. felt more like it fit in an era, like it mm. felt like it fit in a specific time which i would say would might maybe be like early to mid 2000s like that type of rock that we would listen to with balance but combined with like other more softer influences like copeland you mean 20 2010s right yeah did i say 20 2000s yes i'm sorry yeah so 2010s like yes like 2015 2016 exactly yeah those like run for yeah yeah i mean that and I always think about this, man, because, I mean, you know, Nate, more because, again, we talk more. But, like, I don't – I listen to – we listen to so much different music. And the fact that Valley Heart turned into, like, a rock band, it, it is not because – it's not because rock is my favorite genre, I would say. It's more that, like, through proximity of when we started that band, it's just kind of the genre I was into the most. And it sort of almost feels like – that is the framework of expression rather than like, oh, this is my favorite kind of music that I write naturally. But those, but that sort of framework of limitation is cool because it's like cool. Like it's almost like the like what I'm trying to do is in my heart, but also sort of like a framework I have to work within to tell the story I'm trying to tell. And that feels like a creative challenge, but one that's cool. And I think that's what makes Valley Heart have its sound. Um, where I could maybe still change as a songwriter and production style, but there's still like a Valley Heart sound that I'm trying to stay within. And yeah, that challenge is fun. Yeah. And I think you are expand and who knows where Valley Heart will go and how slowly or how quickly the changes will happen. Um, but inspirationally, this record does span a bit further, I would say, in the rock genre where it feels like anywhere from like mid to late 90s all the way through present day rock where I can't really pinpoint it as much. So just to recap, because I know that was a lot, the brightness of the record, the consistency of the drums, and then overall the inspiration. What was instrumentally, what was the focus uh, for the band heading into this record? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit a lot of those points. I'll kind of work backwards from those three, but, you know, I think there was, there's that 30-year law that I heard recently that kind of blew my mind, and I'm going to kind of butcher this explanation, but bear with me, but it's this idea in psychology that 20, like, we're constantly most nostalgic for what's 20 years ago, because when we're 10 years old, or like, yeah, like, at the 10-year mark, there, like when you're 10 years old, there's like a like a very special kind of nostalgia that sort of seeps in your brain. So I think that's why every year it's like the 80s are cool, then sound from the 90s are kind of cool, and now we're seeing like early 2000s now is nostalgic, right? And you know, and that can be overdone. And I think a fear of mine was like, wow, like everyone's doing like the early 2000s sound right now, but at the same time, it felt like I was on that wave too, and it felt like oh man, there's this sort of season of life. And the way I describe it, it's like, it's those songs you like heard at the dentist or at CVS <laughs> when you were 11. And yeah. 
you don't know who sang it, but there, there's a chorus and there's a melody that like you hear it and you're like, oh my god, like I remember that day. It was like the summer and I was with my mom and the, you know what I mean. Like there are these sort of just timeless radio rock songs and early Coldplay, like that sort of vibe. And I was like, man, like that's feeling really like inspiring to me right now. And and I think we were all sort of on that wave. And even from like you know more serious like stuff, but even to like. Lizzie McGuire or Hilary Duff's first album, Metamorphoses. You know, we always joke about it, but like, there's definitely a little bit of influence on that there. Because, you know, <laughs> as a kid, I grew up on that. So I think, you know, at first, you can write that off as like, oh, that's silly. Like, that's too far. That's too much. Like, Valley Hearts is a serious rock band. But I think, you know, a part of us was like, okay this is a challenge we're feeling this as an inspiration we don't want to shut it down we want to use it but we don't want to go too far so how do we and i think that the idea was cool like let's blend it with this sort of more modern sound that we've traditionally done instead of just like going too far let's try to see if we fuse those together and pull those influences and and blend it with this what is what was the what does the mix of that look like and that was heal my head and it was sort of pulling from those influences it's the yeah i mean again from like kelly clarkson's first album like us just like listening to that stuff like at practice and on the way there and and just feeling like a sense of this like sadness because it's nostalgic but also this like joy and and it yeah it felt sort of visceral and, and and very sort of strong so you know, and it's also fun and just different than the last record. So, I mean, I think that late 90s, early 2000s rock, it was a big part. And again, it was that idea of like, cool, how do we bring this into the sound and fuse it with what's more what we've been doing and what will come out of that? Um, and I think for the for the drum sound, I think Zach, you know, Zach was very intentional about like, cool, like let's have bigger dynamic moments. But he wanted to kind of just hold down a feel and like for us to kind of just sort of seep into a song and and to have those valley heart breaks still and those hits and all that stuff but through a new context of like a song that feels a little more consistent but we still wanted to keep those dynamics so i think that forced us to find dynamic in different ways rather than like big loud drum parts and like quiet parts with no drums which i feel like valley heart usually used those tropes to to get where we wanted to go it's like all right this part's just me and the and the guitar singing and then we're gonna like get really big with the drums here we're like how do we introduce or remove a guitar part or like a, a piano part or or even song by song like this song's going to be more streamlined but this song's going to be more dynamic and like sort of stretching that dynamic not from song parts but from like songs themselves um so to have that idea of like cool let this one sort of chuck along and we don't have to have that anxiety of like oh it needs to get big or like punch people in the face it feels a little more mature it feels a little more confident i think of like we don't need that like flashiness um so and zach was very intentional about that and, and wanting that in his drumming style and that was a lot of conversations and a lot of things that we worked through and then yeah i mean guitars and production and bass i think it goes back to that not being afraid of being brighter and not seeing it as like silly or cheeky but but also like man it's just almost curiosity it's like what would happen if this brighter color was still next to these super dark lyrics or like what, you know, we're not writing about sort of poppy, silly stuff, but some of this might feel brighter, but I'm going to keep my writing true. And like, that might be a cool contrast and that might be a cool backdrop um, to what the lyrics are trying to say. So I think it was just playing around with like the old and the new, the old and the new, like 
what makes it true, what makes it authentic, but like how can we say it in a new way and how can we say it in a way that feels good? And yeah, we were listening to, again, switch foot and like all that stuff and not, and I think this parallels that like conversation about faith earlier too, where maybe there was a time where you're like, I'm, you know, I don't want to think about these like early roots or, but I think there's just an acceptance of like stuff that we grew up on and everyone kind of brought in a little bit of that. And I think it reflects a lot on this album. I want to take a moment and just kind of mention some of my favorite instrumental moments on the album and then hone in on uh, one one song might be obvious that I have a couple questions on. Mm. Um, but um, some moments that I love, and, and this is not to besmirch other parts of the album that I love all of it, but um, uh, I think the guitars on Vampire Smile are some of the most beautiful, ethereal, bright... Mm. Like, when we talk bright guitars, that, to me, is, like, the song. Like, that's, mm. like... I love the guitars on that. Um, the bridge in Carousel Real took quick, me sorry, by surprise. Sorry, I have to give credit to Philippe. Yeah? That. Yeah, that's all him. Yeah? Um, it's beautiful. Yeah, I played a... I played acoustic on that one, but nice. Yeah, just to shed yeah. some 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 credit to yes. that dude because all actually it. all the electric guitar parts on that song that's all him. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yes, very good job, Philippe. And yeah, then the opposite spectrum of that is the the bridge instrumental for for Carousel. Um, that kind of took me by surprise. I kind of mm. sat up in my seat a little bit more, um, but the guitars go so hard and are so cool um there um there's there's some other parts but i'm actually gonna just narrow it down to i want to talk heal my head uh you already referenced it when we were going through the album um birth is an interesting first start and i would love to possibly be able to talk about that we probably don't have time to go through all that i would love to talk about um but it's interesting. You start on a much lower dynamic and, mm-hmm. and build it up. I also really love the end of that track, how you do kind of the staggered one. I don't know what you would call it and what you think it is, but you kind of slow down the end of that phrase and pause and then come in again. I don't know if that mm. is even making sense um, Yeah, me the, explaining uh, it. The, the, the retard, the musical retard. Yes, yeah. I should have just called it a retard. But it's it's awesome because usually if you do a retard, you do like one. But you guys keep doing it, and it's really cool. Um, yeah. But the first song that's like, wow, this is weird, is Heal My Head. And I think it's because it starts bass. Like, it's like mm. bass and drums. And previously, there's been some some really good bass work in Valley Heart, but nothing quite as featured as mm. this. Um, the other huge standout is the timing. You're in 5-4. Um and then I think you changed to like uh, seven four, four in the bridge. Is what is it? Seven four. Are you in seven four? Yeah, I was we're counting in it in fives. That might really that might make fives. sense, right? Seven some some mathematically they meet at some point, right? That's really weird. Yeah, they must. Boom. They must because I was counting Boom. it at one two three four five six seven. Yeah, it's it's in, in my mind. You know I what's weird? It. I think I think you're right. When I'm hearing it, I don't know why I'm getting this all mixed up but either way let's, well, let's either talk way, seven yeah, four they're, there's they're we there's it's weird know. and then yeah. uh i'm 
probably wrong here, but no, I, I think you go to four four in the bridge. No, um, you got it. No, no. yeah, so, and I wasn't because um, I I could see how it could be. F- yeah, no, but it's yeah seven for the first yes, half and then yes. yeah. Um, but it's a great timing. Is so cool with how it just jumps that bass part ahead every time because you feel like you're missing that beat that you're expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to talk about the bass guitar and the timing of that mm-hmm. track uh inspirations there how did that come about is that uh you kind of writing that bass part is that chris writing it um as far as timing is that you zach is it just fully collaborative uh yeah tell me a little bit about that song yeah totally um so i always say there's like a spectrum with valley heart writing styles and at the far left there is um us getting in a room and sort of organically what happens and sometimes a full song comes out of that and there are a couple songs on this record that was that style and that was carousel and that was vampire smile where i didn't have a demo i didn't have even a song idea it sort of just happened naturally and then i went back and we kind of restructured it but it came from the dynamic of playing in a room together and i love those songs and they're cool and i love having the differences right and then there i think are other songs on the far right of that spectrum that I flesh out pretty, pretty heavily from production style to parts to sounds where actually the demo sounds very little, like the most extreme version of this sounds very, the demo sounds pretty close to what the final is even. And Heal My Head was the farthest right. I think that could have gone on this album um, where, yeah, I I demoed it out in a day and and wrote the bass, wrote the drums, wrote the guitar. all the way to the end and showed the guys and they were super into it and kind of learned it. And, you know, even in that scenario, there's always little parts where we'll hash out or like tighten up or have little dynamics that we'll add in those parts. Um, But I think for that one, it was, it was pretty done and everything from like those weird ambient guitars and elements. A lot of that stuff was, was literally from my logic file from day one, which is really cool to hear like the initial demo. It's like, just weird synth stuff I was doing on the Juno stuff and just stock logic stuff. <laughs> like just, it's just a sort of a blanket of sound that, that I was like, this isn't going to be recreatable. So I want to use this. And we flew a lot of synth parts and like weird stuff from my demo into that. And you know, the drums were initially written. I sort of did like a very heavy drum machine of like, you know, and, I wanted that. I got, we all, we all actually, even Zach, like, got married to that like drum machine because we had listened to the demo so much. And when we were playing it, we're like, "This is cool," but like, we want that like drum machine punchiness. Like, we want this to sound like industrial and like kind of like drum and bass. Like, we wanted to have that sort of fast attack, like fast release sort of thing. And you know, I think for a while we we're like, "Oh, do we just do like a drum machine?" Like. Do we just do that for the whole song until it breaks on 4-4 and then we'll add real drums? But in the studio, I think we were like, man, you know, we want to try to bridge that gap because we don't, we want this to feel as cohesive as possible while feeling unique and experimental. So that first half there, that's a real drum kit, which we're really proud of. And how we got there is we did like a bunch of different stuff to the drums themselves in the recording. We dampen the hell out of the shells and like used Zach's like cymbal case which was like this felt thing on the snare and like had the kick open and like put a bunch of blankets in there and just like 
pressed the hell out of them and I could really have that punchy sound from the get-go. And I remember the day we got that drum sound, we were, oh, that was such a cool moment in the studio. We were so excited because it was exactly what I was trying to get with the demo, just with the drum machine, but we were doing it with a real kit and like Zach's real dynamics were coming through, but like with that punchy sound. And it's one of my favorite things from the record still, just the fact that we got that sound. And then when it did transition to the like bigger, more open last part, it didn't sound as disconnected. It sounded like the same kit because it was. Um, so I think, yeah, in, in that sense, it was very flushed out in the demo, but we were collaborative on it. Maybe not in like songwriting structure so much, but more on the production and how to get it to feel connected to the other songs it was a group effort and a joint effort. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was one that... Um, came on pretty early with, with the demo or no it came on later it was a later song but it came through the demo and sort of made its way through to the final yeah so transitioning i think kill my head is the perfect uh transition to get into the vocals uh because i think um what's similar but also different for this record with everyone i've ever loved is even though everyone I've ever loved had some of those like beautiful, catchy choruses where at concerts and shows it would be like awesome sing-alongs. I think this record is at just like on steroids a little bit in terms mm-hmm. of the catchiness and the sing-along nature of it. And I think Heal My Head is arguably the best example of that when you head into the uh, final third of the song. Mm-hmm. Um how what was your uh and continuing with that the overall dynamics of your vocals where mm-hmm. you talked about the dynamics of the the record from drums and instrumentally you even though you're not often like in this wicked high register you're varying across the spectrum from Lower, I almost view them as like whisper vocals all the way up to belting and to your normal singing, to quieter normal singing, to louder normal singing. You really mix it up dynamically. Overall, with the vocal um, process and songwriting process on that level, how conscious were you of, I guess, the catchiness and live sing-along aspect of it? Um, for fans and listeners. Yeah, I think, I mean, it started, it it was evident pretty early on that these were sort of catchier songs and, you know, than maybe the previous stuff we've done. But again, that felt true to the nature of what we were trying to accomplish of that more pop rock sort of alternative sound Um, and weren't afraid of that and kind of excited about that. Um, but again, didn't want to just write catchy stuff. Like, that was never the goal. It was, like, cool. Like, there's an awareness of that. But this is still, like, we're going to still make this a Valley Heart record. Um, so, yeah, I think that range and in, in that that dynamic shift of what you're talking about in the vocals, um, you know, a lot of that was premeditated. A lot of it was. Um, but I think a lot of it came to fruition as well with the f- sort of, vocal dynamic I have with Kev, which I sort of regret not having video of sort of how we work because it's really cool. And I think that is the the biggest reflection of how comfortable we get with each other in the studio with Kevin Billingsley and I, where we sort of get into this rhythm where, and this happened on everyone I've ever loved, 
but will have a lot of fun with the vocals. Like, it's not just like, cool, like, sing it, like, you were out of key, like, let's do it again. It's, like, hyper-intentional um, to the point where, like, he's prompting me, like, visual scenarios of, you know, he's as he really produces in the vocal aspect. And I really like that because... I think that's the moment I get most in my head was when I'm, you know, recording yourself vocally is, a, is an art of itself and something I, it's, I struggle with. And for the Valley Art Project, I like to have that second person there filtering those things because it allows you to not get as like in your head about the takes you're doing and the emotion. And sometimes when you're recording yourself, you're like, oh, you're singing the same thing over and over and it's slightly flat, but maybe it's cool and it's flat. So to have someone's like, dude, that's slightly flat, but like, that's that's the take like that that translated emotionally so kev is just a great person who and he's just a wizard at comping certain parts with others so when we get in a flow vocally it's something man and we'll go at it and we'll go like all day like we tried doing it on this record where we were gonna break up the vocals like three hours here three hours there but i ended up having really bad allergies the first week and a half of recording where I couldn't sing and I had to get my shit together by like all these crazy remedies of essential oils and allergy medicine and finally got good. But at that point we only had like a week left or something. So we're like, let's try to knock the vocals out. And, and we did. And I'm glad because we get into these rhythms where, yeah, he'll just, he'll really sort of help me sort of tell the story I need to tell, not just lyrically or vocally, but like dynamically, like this part really feels like it should be in this register or this emotion or sort of in this headspace or in this voice. And we'll be really intentional about those voices. Um, and love doing harmony with him too. Like same with the harmony. We, we get really intentional about that stuff. And, and it's a lot of fun when you feel like you're just really like, I'll have an idea and it'll be like, I was thinking, I was like, yep, you're thinking about having a double there that's and he's like yep and we'll just kind of keep going so um i think that's a lot of just sort of the the vocal creativity that kevin and i have in our relationship yeah i do want to jump into the lyrics here quick uh we're running a little late so we will uh make our questions a little faster maybe but um but i do want to just talk about the lyrics of this album some some kind of Overall impressions of this album for me, I think, uh, from a lyrical standpoint, is it just feels grounded. It feels like it's real life. It feels like every track is is talking about different seasons that you're in, different um, scenarios, if you will. But just, I don't know. It just really feels like it's real life. Mm. And um, that's the concept to me. Um more than anything is just journey and life. Um, but break down for me a little bit. What are some of the concepts uh, lyrically um, that you were going for in this album? And then what are some of the main takeaways that you hope that people who listen to this album take away from the lyrics? Do you mind yeah. if I butt in before Kevin answers just for a little bit of extra context no, for what my expectations were? Yeah. Where... After everyone I've ever loved, Kevin, I remember us talking and you were like, yeah, I'm not writing that. Like, I'm not writing these type of songs again. I think you were so exhausted, which makes perfect sense when you know those records, why you'd feel that way. And I definitely don't think you wrote that record again at all. But there is this like almost and you talked about this earlier, almost like this inability to escape certain aspects mm -hmm. of 
uh, spirituality or your background or uh, these existential questions, I think like back and forth is probably like one of the more clear and obvious um, references to this. Um, I guess building off what Andrew said, I never really think about this, but what were kind of your expectations like going into the writing process and what ended up like coming out throughout the journey within what Andrew asked about the themes or the overall yeah. messages and stuff? Totally. Yeah, I love this question because it's really cool because I think I've never gone so deeply uh, lyrically, not in terms of content, but in the, the method of writing where like I was there was a it's a few months there where I was writing for this record and it felt like I was waking up at a certain time, writing in the morning, going on a walk. Like I would go to this place called Appleton Farms in, in New England, your home in Ipswich, and go on these walks and listen to tons of instrumental music, namely Abby Gunderson's record that came out in 2020, and just write and write and write. And I think like the spectrum thing I was talking about with the production where there's a, sort of the more natural writing, sort of natural free flowing dynamic with the guys and then the more sort of centered intentional stuff i sort of viewed writing this in the same way where i think there's a real merit to coming up with those motifs and themes beforehand and sort of crafting into those things but i also believe that there's this really cool thing that happens when you just sort of let yourself write and let yourself just tell the stories that are happening and i think that's what i did with everyone i've ever loved to the point where like people are like oh that's a that's a church album that's a deconstruction album all this stuff and it's like after the fact it's like yeah but like at the time i wasn't trying to write that it just happened to be that you're sort of close at this thing you're scribbling like five inches away from your face and then you finally hang the piece on the wall and i mean you kind of knew what you were doing but then you stand back and you're like oh like that's what that is like now i see it and i think that's always really cool to do and to not sort of be concerned about how things will tie, tie in thematically or if it will feel cohesive, but just to write what feels natural and then trust that those lines will appear and those like motifs will appear. So it was this weird balance of like, cool, like almost like f it's like the idea of finding rather than creating, right? It's like, I'm finding these themes. I'm finding these motifs. Like it's carving them out. Like I remember reading about like the, the renaissance sculptors and how they would get a piece of block and like they imagine that their you know statue of david was already in there and they were finding it rather than making it and i always thought that was such an interesting thing and i kind of approached this writing process in the same way where it's like there are these themes and there are these things in my sort of songwriting that they're almost subconscious thoughts that are just there and if i'm trying to like ring them in consciously some of that's good, but too much of that, I think, will even stifle the process. So just subconsciously letting things fall on the page and not being too concerned how they will relate and then putting it up and being like, whoa. And I think that that whoa moment happened even just recently after the masters were done and even the artwork and even the visuals as they appear, just seeing all the themes is really cool. But, you know, um, that was sort of my process was finding inspiration and, and seeing the themes that were coming up in real time and and also, I just think there's a cosmic or 
communal consciousness, right? And I think we experience this when this happens when you're you talk to a friend about a, something, right? And then like a day later, someone else was mentioned. You're like, dude, I was just talking to someone about this. Like, this is the third time this week. Like, I've talked about the idea of, you know, like something as deep as like my parents getting older or something as nominal as like this thing happening, you know? So I think there's just sometimes there's just these waves that we ride in our age group or just in our culture that feel like there are these things on our hearts, but as a community, right, as a culture. And I think a lot of that subconscious, just letting things out is just letting a lot of that stuff out. Um, but yeah, there's the themes that ended up being, I think, are about, you know, time, about aging, about vulnerability, about there's themes of spirituality and healing and lots of stuff about like miracle work and like sort of the book of Matthew and like this, this weird sort of like a healing ministry that wasn't intentional with sort of faith perspective, but just stuff that was coming up of like a plea for healing. Um, and then there's, you know, imagery about spring and rebirth and growth and birds and flowers and sort of weather and, the parallels of our behavior and the behavior we see in nature. So, um, but how those, how those things piece together, I wasn't intentionally, I didn't even really know until a lot later. I'm like, wow, this is really connected. In terms of theming, um, and it goes, (laughs) it's almost on the nose when you think of the album title, Heal Mm -hmm. My Head. I think mental health is a huge aspect of the record regardless of whether it's um like clearly spoken about in very obvious ways yeah. i think there's threads of it throughout the record were these songs something that helped you through mental health issues mm-hmm. or were they more of a reflection on you realizing oh i'm like trying to take mental health more seriously in your own personal life kind of, and it could be both. Yeah. Yeah, I think it depends on the song and there are some songs that were quite literally written through the thick of that situation and felt like this cathartic relief onto the page. Um, specific song I'm thinking of is warning signs being that. Um, and then I think there were other songs that were, yeah, maybe more reflective, but I think they both get at the same thing of of sort of with the album title, like you said, this plea for mental connection, clarity, vulnerability, um, presence, you know? And whether that was looking forward or back, I think that is, and I think that's ultimately, I mean, I didn't have the album title till later where I was trying to find it and trying to get it, and I think Heal My Head finally felt like the best because it it felt like a question almost, you know? And I think you can read it in a lot of different ways, but for me, I read it as almost like a a pleading question, you know? Um, And I think in that song it's evident, but I think that question sort of lingers throughout all the songs, whether it's in the numbers talking about the concept of achievement and quantification of successes or the days where it's this concept about sort of being able to the sensory feeling of are you feeling life passing by are you these achievements and these moments and these benchmarks are you feeling them um or whether it's like warning signs or it's about loving someone through a depressive suicidal episode there's just tons of different situations but i think they all have this sense of i want to be here i want to be present and i want to be connected 
Um, so transitioning out of uh, lyrics as we close, I think there's just a lot of uh, small little things to talk about. Uh, first of which, it's less small and still connected to the record as we transition more out of talking about the record, but track listing. I feel like I'd be damned not to ask about the track listing because knowing the process kind of the track listing went through, how was that process overall for you? Yeah, well, we should maybe clarify for the listeners. You knew that because Nate and I were high school friends, right? I mean, I feel like maybe your listeners will know that, right? But we also probably have some listeners who didn't hear our past episodes. But yeah, yeah, Nate's always been sort of the... uh, the patron of uh, listening to demos of mine and seeing songs from the, uh, the get go um, and the track listing in different forms. Um, so yeah, I think this one definitely, I mean, I always write like once we're in album headspace, I'm like so pumped on understanding how the track listing will be, even though it might change. I think it's a, you know, I, I've realized recently talking to some people about this where a lot of bands are like, they don't figure that out till later. And they're like, Oh, these are the songs like, I guess what's a good flow or like what feels good. But for my process, it's very intentional and it's very much how did these songs flow and work together and what story are they telling? And yeah, I mean the first iteration of the track listing was different than what is now. And it was set in stone for a long time. It was opening with warning signs, which is track eight now. Um, And it closed with birth actually. So it was sort of the same thing, but opening with warning signs going all the way down and there wasn't that piano outro in the days going into 626, but it was, um, it closed on birth. Um, so yeah. And we finished the record. We tracked it with Kevin as we were doing the the sort of post-production stuff in the studio. I had this moment where I was sort of listening through the rough mixes and birth at the end just didn't feel like the, the move anymore. And it just felt like, it was tapering the album off in a way that I didn't want it to. And I was like, man, where do we put this? And decided, whoa, like, what if we just flip this on its head? Like, what if the first goes to the top? And then it's like, well, where does warning signs go? And and that was actually really hard. And we sat on that for a long time because we're like, well, does it go second? I was like, no, I think the number should be right there. So we we had a lot of almost heated discussions. Like, we were pretty passionate about where, where it should go, but it ended up coming after uh back and forth and i love where it sits on the record now because that is one of my favorite songs on the album um so yeah the track listing went all but it was really cool at the sort of the end stages to kind of take the last chapter of the book and put it first and see how that affects the story right and to see how that kind of turns it on its head and i think it worked out really cool and is definitely really different to stuff we've done in the past and I'm really excited about it. I mean, I was going to just mention, I think the track listing's perfect. Um, I do think the track listing works really well, talking about the album artwork, though. Obviously, the track listing is reflected in the artwork itself. Um, so talk me through the album artwork um, as far as that goes. Was that because at some point there was 11 songs there yeah. wasn't actually track 12 so <laughs> uh when did you kind of settle on album artwork how did you figure that out yeah yeah so the artwork didn't come till 
after. It wasn't one of those things where I had the artwork sitting and sort of intentional there. But again, it felt like sort of the more discovery process of I saw a picture somewhere that had a bird clock and immediately I knew, oh, wow, like there's something resonating here. It reminds me of sitting at my aunt's house when I was nine and she had a bird clock and sort of even the bird clock parallel to feeling like that sort of late 90s, early 2000s, that felt like that era for me. And seeing that, I hadn't thought about a bird clock in so many years. I was like, oh my God, like I remember that. And I kind of wanted the music to feel like that, like reminiscent of that feeling. So there was a connection there and I was like, that's cool. And then I, I was thinking about the concept even more and I was thinking, whoa, like there's tons of stuff about spring and, and nature and sort of and you know associating spring with birds. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the wallpaper came later, um, when we were working with the design artist to do it. And I really love how that came out. Cause I think that added a different element to it that I would didn't intend, but now I'm seeing all sorts of parallels with, um, you know, the idea of patterns, right. And like patterns on a wallpaper. And this album is a lot about breaking those patterns and sort of ripping through those patterns and understanding those patterns and, even recently noticing that those vines on the album cover kind of look like sort of neurological, um, like, um, not nerve endings, but your, your brain has just tons of neurons and like you use these synapses and it almost looks like there's sort of a neurological parallel in that imagery. So I don't know. It just felt like a piece of art that like felt like it related to the themes in, in, in the music. And then the most obvious one is the idea of time. Right. So, um, yeah, it felt just something that felt very integrated with the music. And I think my, my initial fear was like, whoa, is this too integrated? But I don't know. I think we just leaned into it like we did with so many other things on the record and said, we're going we're gonna to roll with it. So when I had this concept, I was like, whoa. Simultaneously, as I was realizing this sort of tw- 12 you know, hours songs, there was, I wanted to end the album sort of on a softer note, kind of like Birth, but not the whole song of Birth. But I was like, man, it'd be really cool if after the days there was some sort of small outro that felt like a breath out that almost sort of landed back to where it started. And I was, you know, started playing around on pianos and all this stuff and nothing was really working. And then one day I was just going through my demos on my my, um, voice memos on my iPhone and I found one from the third day in the studio and I was in the studio and I was sort of hitting a creative block at one day and I was really frustrated and just feeling like kind of needing to get stuff out. And I just set my phone and it was like a seven, like a, no, like a 52 minute voice memo of me in the Halo studio with the piano. And I just set my phone up somewhere and just played piano for like an hour. And that outro is just an iPhone recording of that day. Um, that we ended up throwing uh, just a violin on over, but it's just an iPhone recording. And when I heard it and I, then I heard the sigh at the end, I was like, whoa, like that's, that's it. Like that's kind of, that breath feels like sort of what this album is trying to do. And I think that moment was a microcosm of feeling stuck in my head, feeling unable to be present or to, to let go and found all these parallels while I was in the studio about sort of the lyrical content on the album, sort of the idea of like, okay, there's a finite time here. Will I get everything I want to get done while I'm here? Will I say everything I need to say? Will this be good enough? And while I was in the studio, you, that pressure was kind of stifling my creativity. And 
sort of in life, I was I had this moment. I was like, that's kind of what I'm writing about. Like, if you live with the pressure that you're on a time, like, you know, even though we are on a time limit, if you live with that pressure sort of in your body, you're going to prevent yourself from being present and being able to sort of flow. And that's what was happening in the studio. So it was just sort of this weird parallel of like, whoa, like, death is the ending but now it's the end of may like we only have this much time how can i say all i want and i think this album is just about take all the time that you want is a lyric that appears and it's like living with the idea that like time is short but i also have time to grow and time to be what i want so yeah just making that connection while i was in the studio and that iphone recording being like the moment where i was just like i just need to let it go really sort of felt like a perfect ending so i added that and then we made it into a separate track and now it's track 12 and then it sort of worked out where it, it felt like cohesive with the album artwork i never noticed till now but i think there's such a clear and potentially unintentional comparison between the vocal recording of paradisium with this recording mm. in the sense of just the rawness and the um how the recording captures something that's so authentic based on the moment. Like you were freezing your balls off and it like delivered, like the performance was like affected by that, obviously in a positive artistic way. Your sigh at the end, I like, I I've heard that before and like maybe once or twice on records where not that exact thing, but where like the person gets up from the piano or whatever. And when I heard it on this record, I thought it was stage and that's not a bad thing per se, but Mm -hmm. I thought it was like planned and to find out that it was like natural just adds so much more meaning and depth to my understanding of Yeah, I mean, just lyrically and conceptually, it's just like, it really does tie things together in a really beautiful way. That's so cool. Yeah, I was trying to write lyrics to Vampire Smile that I hadn't finished, and those are actually the same chords, because I was literally just just sort of vamping no pun intended on those uh, chords, (laughs) and I was trying to dig your teeth into it. Yeah, there you go. Um... (laughs) But yeah, that's funny for, yeah, that's, it's weird. Cause in my mind, it's cause I know the situation cause it's me. I could never see it as planned, but you're right. As like an outside listener, you don't know that story, but yeah, yeah that was a real iPhone recording that like months later I was like, Oh shoot, I forgot that I had this. And then it ended up on the record. So we just talked about the visuals. Andrew, do you want to ask any questions about the visuals for music videos? No, I'm good. I'm sorry. That was good. We're done. No. <laughs> yeah. So, um, first off, music videos are awesome. Um, so, Thanks. talking, um, obviously, the numbers and your favorite jacket. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth on which one I like more. They're they're very different, and I'm just not going to choose because I don't see that mm. as, as helpful. So, talk me through um, both those music videos. Uh, how did you come about? They obviously kind of fit themes that you're going for uh, mm-hmm. in the lyrics themselves, but how did you come up with the concept for the music video and the production of the music videos themselves? Yeah, so we worked with a production company called Lock and Stash um, from Springfield, Missouri, and they are just out of this world incredible. And a lot of what you're... I mean, the, the production is them, um, but from an idea perspective... You know, I hopped on the phone with their guy, Austin, which is kind of, kind of their operations production manager, 
And, you know, the, from the first conversation, I think both of us realized like, oh, wow, like there's a connection here. And my goal with this whole album has been every step along the way to try to just work with people, no matter how big or small or whatever place they're in in their career. It's like working with people who are like who get it and who like are excited and like get the music and get what we're going for. And just after having a few Zoom meetings with with those guys um, and girls, we just really, really felt like, whoa, like this is this is good. And. I, I initially sat down and I had sort of the baseline ideas for numbers and kind of jacket, mostly for the numbers. I had this idea. It started really rough. It was like, I imagine this guy, he's at like an office job and it was kind of cheesy and like I didn't really have a vision of it, but I was like, oh, he's sort of going around and he's seeing all these numbers and he's sort of plagued by the numbers and then at the end, but I also had this other idea of like a of lottery, of a lottery show. And I was like, oh, but there's a lottery show. And I kind of didn't know how they connected. I was like, oh, but he ends up at the lottery show or something. And and they did a really great job of, Josh, who directed that one, um, did a great job of just writing a treatment that really connected all those ideas and really kind of became what it was and incorporated the band in a way that was unique. That was never my intention. And and casted it and just made the set. So, I mean, I kind of planted the seed of the idea in some ways, but they did just a lot of the heavy lifting of the getting that idea off the ground. Um, and then for Jacket, it was similar, but I think a lot, it's it sort of straight a lot further away from my initial idea. I think initially I was like, oh, there maybe is, I'm walking through somewhere and the weather's changing as I'm walking. Like it's sunny, but then it starts raining and then it might start snowing, but I'm like walking outside. It was sort of this like vague idea. Um, and then Joe there had the idea to, oh, what if we sort of created a room in a set and sort of manipulated that room with all sorts of climate and weather. But then the whole like with the friend group thing was totally his idea. And yeah, he really sort of, I mean, Josh took the other one as well, but from the initial idea, that one changed a lot more um, and ended up being really, really cool too. So, I mean, they had a huge production team and I'm just naming a couple names here, but like there are so many people that went into making those videos that are amazing and super creative and talented. And if anyone are listening right now, I really love those people. And we had such a blast making those videos and um, yeah, it's, a visual personification of the album in a really cool way that I've never felt so visually like, oh, wow, this is an extension of what I was trying to do rather than like, oh, this is just like cool accompanying sort of visual art, you know? So as we close, how can people, are people going to potentially be able to see you guys? I know you're having a really cool album listening party on the release date on January, or sorry, on January, on June 3rd in, <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in Salem. Because Are there potentially any shows on the horizon? Hey, I would love to come. Dude, I would love come to out. come. So I will see you there. All right. Especially um, at that cheap, Andrew, you're invited too, but price. you're far. It's a little bit of a drive, yeah. but we'll see what we can do. Oh, shoot. My buddy I think from Philly is coming. You hitch a ride with him. Oh, Billy. Philly. He's coming from Philly. Oh. You're in Pennsylvania, right? Billy's Andrew? coming from Philly? I'm going to tag along with Billy from Philly. Dude, you should go with Billy from Phily, dude. He's a good guy. Billy from Philly. I don't even care. He might murder me. I don't know this guy. guy, But, like, you guys get silly. Don't bring up his past, dude. Silly Billy from Philly. He used to be. He used to kill a dude. He used to kill (laughs) For really. For really. And I'm the dad. Yes. Yeah. yeah I you're the dad. Um, hey, you're so ready. no, we we are we do have an album release show. Um, 
I don't. It will be announced by the time this comes out, and it our album release show is on in July twenty third, and um, some more details are shaping up about it. But it's going to be really cool. We're going to play a lot of the, these songs, and it'll be our first show back in a while, and we're really excited. Sick, awesome. Yeah. Looking forward to our, it. Uh, July twenty third at the Arts, the Armory in Somerville. Well, before we end, we have to do favorite track. It's tradition, oh, true. you know. We're not going to mess with tradition here. So, um I don't remember what order we do this in. Um I'll I think go yeah, first. you go first. And then Nate and then Kevin? Yeah, sure. Is that cool? That way yeah. we take two tracks and if Kevin wants to show love to a third one, he can. Cool. Um, all right. Initially, it was Heal My Head because it was just so different and the timing and everything. It still might be Heal My Head, but this last little bit, I'm loving Back and Forth. I think that is such a cool track. Um, That melody at the end, um, they're just, I mean, you go up the octave, the the melody in the chorus has been there, but um, I get goosebumps. I think I've gotten goosebumps like every single time with that track, so... um, Mm. I think it's a great track. There's so many to choose from, but I'm going to go back and forth. Yeah. Uh, Nate, how about you? Well, what do you mean, what about me? You're going Pick back and forth. Song. No, but you're going back uh, and forth. Pick one. But I was waiting for it, and I thought you were going to move on, and I was like, there's no way he's not going to say it, and you said it. <laughs> um, yeah, so ironically enough, I mean, back and forth was is under um, consideration for me. It's definitely a favorite of mine as well. Um, same with warning signs. Um, but I'm I'm gonna honestly go the the cliche route potentially. Um, Andrew mentioned it. I'm going with heal my head. And the reason why is because I th- Obviously, like, I've heard some stuff that sounded like different aspects of Heal My Head. But for me, it was a song on the record that I felt like you as a band were innovating the most in a way that was, like, genre-pushing in its own weird Mm -hmm. way while still retaining, like you talked about, um, past nostalgic aspects of rock um, yeah, and it just felt special in that type of way where like this song could really make a difference um, in where rock could go if it got the I don't want to say notoriety but more just if people listen to it just on a very basic yeah. level so yeah, so, yeah. Mm. my turn yeah yeah this is tough because I, lo- I love six two six. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I really love all of them. Um, man, I think I'm gonna say heal my head too. And yeah, I think that one feels special. And I mean, they all feel special in a way to me. But I mean, that one. Yeah, some of the production choices are just the dynamics and the timing, and it sort of goes into all the weird corners that was trying to go in, but obviously still works. And um, yeah, just feel really proud of that one from the lyrics to the production to the, the even the record, like again, the recording of the drums, like all of it feels like a 
a statement and in every element of it feels like a statement. So yeah, I'm going to go heal my head. Well, I'm sorry to mess with a clean sweep, uh, but glad uh, we could show some different love around here. But Heal My Head's great. Very worthy of favorite track. And uh, let us know what your favorite track is. We'd love to hear from you. I mean, reach out to Kevin, too. When I say yeah. we, I mean Kevin and this pod. We all want to know what your favorite track is. So yeah. I don't really care, but your favorite track is... So, <laughs> sorry but yes uh, <laughs> I don't know. it's so hard to like piggyback off of uh, really excellent jokes Kevin really awful excellent jokes. don't don't uh, <laughs> blow smoke up my horn or whatever the uh, saying is well thank you so much for joining us again Kevin we will have you anytime you want to join because we love talking it's with you so fun. Um, but specifically we got to talk to you when Valley Heart's got new stuff. So thank you for doing that once again. Thanks for continuing to make music. And um, when you stop music, we stop the pod. That's basically how this works. So just All right. uh, no <laughs> pressure. No pressure. Just keep making music and we'll keep making the podcast. It sounds um, great. It's so fun, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you would like to reach out to us on our socials, you can do that on Twitter and Instagram at LDLPod. And you can also email us, specifically Nate. He will be the one replying. Listening at gmail.com. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Feel free to subscribe to the pod. Um, and uh, share this with your friends. Reach out. Support Valley Heart. Um, see them at any upcoming shows and uh, buy the record. Um, do whatever you can to support those guys. They're awesome. And thank you for listening. Have a great day. This will please the Lord more than an ox.